Let's set our hearts and minds on the, the word of the Lord now. We pray. Father God, may everything that comes out of my mouth and everything that's in our heads and hearts glorify you for the next half hour and for for the rest of our, our week and our life in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Great to be here with you. Um, you might be wondering, like, why uh, why are you here? <laughs> you guys probably don't get lots of just, uh, like, Lutheran preachers passing through. But, um, so, a couple things. One is, I am a missionary, and so about every two years they give us, like, a furlough time, which means we come back to the U.S. Um, with the family, and we get to do some work stuff, and some just family time, visit the in-laws, and visit my parents, and hang out with the cousins, things that the kids don't get to do when we're down in South America. Um, and right now it's summer break in Paraguay, of course. Like, what? Summer break? Yeah, it is. Um, remember all the seasons are flipped down south. And so, um, so yeah, we're doing a tour around churches and things. And, and I, I even asked my family, like, hey, you know, you got like any places or churches that you want to visit? And, and they said, oh, yeah, because we've seen in town, they've seen online services of yours. And they said, we want to go to Atlanta. We want to go to Intown. And I said, all right, we'll make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. And, and it's good. That should be um, that's something you guys should know, that you are reaching people that you don't even know about through online and, and in other ways, both here in Atlanta and beyond. So keep that in mind as you, as you spread God's word. Um, the, the, the other um, reason why, why, why I'm here is because God has a message for us today from Psalm 72, and, and I think that's important. So while I'm kind of working through Psalm 72, I'm also going to tell you a lot about the mission work in Latin America. So um, let's, let's get, get down to business. Long live the king is our theme for today. So for four years we've been living in Paraguay, which I showed you down in South America. Before that, um, we were living in central Mexico on the same mission team, doing the same work, but in a different location. Don't think like Cancun, you know, the beach. Think kind of like what you see here, like in the mountains, in the, the highlands of Mexico. And, and we lived in a city called Guanajuato. It's very fun to say. You want to try saying it? Let's say it. Uh, I'll say it once and you say it after me. Guanajuato. Now you say it. Okay, that wasn't bad. One more time. Guanajuato. Alright. Fun family memory. While living in Guanajuato, every September 15th, which of course is Mexican 4th of July, right? It's not Cinco de Mayo. Don't let uh, the Corona commercials fool you. It's not Cinco de Mayo. It's, it's September 15th. That's when Mexico celebrates its independence. So we would walk 250 steps from our house at the top of the hill down this narrow alleyway where you have colorful houses all the way down the, as you're going down these steps. Like, I can just imagine, um, I'm trying to remember, like, how did people give their address there? Well, you go to this and that alley, and then you walk down 80, 86 steps, and my house is on the right. <laughs> We're like, nobody even had house numbers. I'm like, how did they? Anyways, um, we walked down these 250 steps to the main city plaza, one of the big plazas there, and then there would be 20,000 plus people gathered there with live music, and you can imagine food and dancing and air horns and everybody's waving flags and silly string and all kinds of confetti and different things. And then right at um, 
11 or 12 o'clock, because everything fun happens at midnight in, in, in Mexico, right? So all these people, there would be a bell that would get rung in some places, and then like a local politician, a governor, a mayor, somebody would come out and, and he yelled, Viva Mexico! And all the people there would yell, Viva! And then he would say like, you know, long, which means long live Mexico. And he would say, long live, and he'd start rattling off their heroes. It'd be like if we said, you know, we were saying, long live USA, long live George Washington, long live Thomas Jefferson, long live whoever, whatever American heroes we have. And the people would always respond with, uh, viva. I've heard on the other side of the ocean, they say, long live the queen. Well, today in God's word, we're going to see the theme, long live the king. Long live the king in Psalm 72. What kind of a king are we talking about? You read a series like In Search of the Real Jesus. Well, today we're in search of the real king. So let's go to Psalm 72. I'll put it up on the screen if you're a Bible app person or you got one in your hands. That's fine too. Psalm 72. Let's, let's have an epiphany together and find out who this king is. I'm going to break it down in chunks. So we, we read the first four verses. While I read these verses, see if you can find two words that get repeated. They're kind of a theme here in the first four verses. Look for two words. Psalm 72 of Solomon. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. Did you get it? You get two words that kind of just, ju yeah, I see somebody, somebody saying it. I think, I think it's Ruth. Ruth is saying justice. Okay. And where you get the other one? Justice, and endow the king with your justice, O God, and righteousness. And then he flips those words around. He says, give him justice, give him righteousness, give him righteousness, give him justice. He just kind of crosses those words. And what's he doing here? King Solomon, who's also the son of the king, son of King David, he's saying, God, give us a good king. The king is praying for a good king. Isn't that kind of funny? He, and what, what, is, what does he mean by a good king? He's saying a king who brings justice and righteousness to this world. Um, this is really important for the king to be just because in, if you know some things about ancient Israeli culture, the king was also like the Supreme Court. So let's say two ladies are sharing an apartment. They both got babies. During the night, one of the babies passes away. So in the, in the morning, both ladies say about the, the live baby, they say, my baby, that case makes it all the way up to the Supreme Court, which is the king, King Solomon. How are we going to solve this? He says, well, bring me a sword. Gets the sword, says, all right, we'll cut it in half. We'll give half to each one of you. Gets the sword, and of course, what does the real mom say? Don't do it. Just give her the baby. Because she wants to protect, protect the baby's life. The wise and just king says, ah, now I know who the real mom is. Give the king justice. But if you know Solomon's story, he wasn't always 
righteous. He wasn't always a king that ruled with justice. So we are not talking about King Solomon. We're talking about a, a king that has perfect righteousness and justice. And this is a really big deal. Um, have you ever lived in a country where there wasn't a lot of justice? Have you ever lived in a country where the government was just basically corrupt to the bone? So before I tell you about some challenges of, of living in Latin America, I, I should tell you about some of the, the joys. Like I said, we live both in Mexico and, and Paraguay, and I've been in a lot of other countries. Um, one of the things I, I like, we love actually as a family about living in Latin America, one is it's the weather. Um, I'm not going to judge Atlanta's weather by the, by the past 48 hours. Um, we've been in Atlanta for 48 hours. It's been kind of crazy, not going to lie. But I'm figuring sometimes it's nice here. I'll bet it's nicer in Latin America than it is even in Atlanta. When I was up north in the U.S., it was even easier to, to kind of tell people uh, we got better weather. I don't know. Maybe Atlanta, maybe we could argue about it. Nice weather, great food. I mean, you know, here we are in Atlanta, and what do you have next door? <laughs> you know, why? Why is there Mexican food all over the world? Because they have great food, right? Um, well, it's like that all over Latin America. Great food, warm people, warm, warm culture. You know what serenade is? Or mate? Have you heard of mate? Yeah. So it's, it's a tea. It's a South American tea that they drink a lot in, in Paraguay, in Paraguay, or Brazil, and Argentina. And it's pretty cool, though. Like, you just you get the, the cup. You see it there? You just put the tea leaves straight in the cup, about maybe half full. And, and then you got your thermos. Everybody walks around with a thermos in, in Paraguay. It's fun. Like, even if you're getting on an airplane, guys, have a, have a thermos with them. Like, the owner of the bank goes to the office with a thermos. The construction worker, he's got his thermos. Everybody's got a thermos, like, all the time. If it's hot out, you keep your water ice cold. If it's cold out, like on a day like today, you'd have your, you'd have your, uh, your water, like, burn your mouth hot, you know, piping hot, steaming. And then what do you do all day? Like, you get your cup, and you're just filling up the thermos, and you got a metal straw with like a tea filter at the, at the end of it. It's like connected to the, to the metal straw, and you're just drinking your tea all day. What's really cool about it, though, you can drink it on your own. What's really cool is this. Like, people are just sitting around all the time drinking tea together. Um, it feels like in America... People are kind of busy. Am I onto something there? Like, nope. <laughs> People don't really have lots of time to just sit around and drink tea and, and hang out together. Um, in Paraguay, it's totally the opposite. Like, people will literally just set up a circle of chairs in front of their house. Like, there'll be a, an, an older guy who just sits in front of his house with a bunch of empty chairs. Why do you think he does that? Because he wants somebody to come by and just say, hey, come have some tea with me. Um, the construction workers at 10 o'clock in the morning, they have no problem just sitting there and drinking tea for a half hour and, and hanging out. Um, nobody's in a hurry. We like that about living in, in Latin America. Um, you know, some of the other things uh, I, could, I could tell you is just how, how might, like, what are the schools like? Well, I, I tell everybody, well, my kids are getting a, a fantastic social education. They know how to, they can do like three or four birthday parties every single weekend. They, they, they learn how to walk up to an adult and look them in the eye and, and shake their hand or give them a hug, like things I never really learned 
um, growing up in the north of, of the U.S. It just, there's a lot of fun things about living in Latin America. But one thing that frustrates not just me, but a lot of people on a daily basis is the corruption. The corruption that just it permeates every level of, of the government in almost every country of Latin America. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to know that um, when you pay taxes, well, what's the government like that's going to use those taxes? You say, what's the government like in, in uh, Paraguay, for example? I say, well, it's a, a one-party pseudo-democratic kleptocracy. So what does that mean? Well, it's just one party. They, they win every election. They steal as much as they can during their four years. And then they pass. Um, then they pass. There's a lot of nepotism. So then you just pass your seat on to, like, your relative or your best friend. And then he gets to do it for four years. And he gets to get rich and build a big mansion. And then he passes it on to his kids or his friends. And that's what happens. That's, you know what that does to a country's infrastructure and their roads and their court system and their justice? And oh, It's awful. It's awful when... Uh, I remember a time a missionary got, got his house broken into. Some really nice neighbors came in afterwards. Luckily, the missionary wasn't home. His family wasn't home. Nothing happened. They just took stock, right? Um, the missionary was saying, no, no, we're okay. He told the neighbors, we're okay. Don't worry. You know, just just material things, right? Um, and the, the missionary asked the neighbors, so, like, should we, should we call the police? The neighbor's like, no, no, no. That's, like, the last thing you should do because... The police were probably in on it, or if they come to your house, like to take a report, they might come back when you don't want them to. Can you imagine that? If the Atlanta police were like that? Can you imagine um, when the, and some of you maybe can't imagine this, when you get pulled over by the traffic police just because of the way you look, except um, now the traffic police, they're not just going to give you a ticket or make you get out of the car. They're going to they're gonna ask you for cash right now, like a cash bribe. Wow. And you see, you're driving, and you're like, oh, man, is today the day I'm going to get hit for a bribe? Is today the day where... It's frustrating. Um, you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Living in the U.S., there's no corruption here, is there? Especially in the government. I heard there's elections this year, and, and I'm not going to get into, like, politics or which side of things. I'm not not like that. We're a church, right? We're not, we're not a political organization. But just think of what's going on. Um, do you think this is the year This is the year where like the candidates are actually going to speak to each other with, with love and respect and wisdom and honor and, and the, the year where they're actually going to tell the truth and keep their promises that they make? Is this the year where that's actually going to happen? Is this the year where, where, um, where leaders are going to stick up for the needy Speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Like the, the one million people, human beings, who were legally executed in 2023. Do you know who I'm talking about? They were inside of their mother's womb. And the government said that they could be killed. I'm not, you know, getting into politics, but where's the justice and righteousness in that? Um... Kind of interesting, uh, a Paraguayan politician got investigated by the, by the U.S. Embassy. The U.S. like found out, okay, he's linked to terrorism, he's linked to drug trafficking. Uh, you cannot come in the U.S. anymore, they told him. He's now significantly corrupt. 
And so this guy, he, he said, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> you want to talk to me about corruption? Go look at, at your embassy and your ambassador who you have sent to my country. And, and there's a flag there at the U.S. embassy. He said, look, look at the flag right below. And it's right below the American flag. And it's a flag with, with all kinds of different rainbow colors. And, and I know maybe some of you are coming to church. It's just kind of a new thing. And you're like, wait, what's he talking about? But it makes you, you think, whoa, what? Here's this guy who was investigated for corruption, and he says, you want to talk to me about corruption? Look at your country. Look at the moral corruption that you are spreading all over the world. And I had to look at that and say, whoa, is he right? What does the Bible say about issues like that? Corruption and injustice is all around us. And the reason I'm sharing all of this is so that you and I can just say, man, I am a person of unjust lips, a corrupt heart, and that's the place I come from. My country is corrupt. My people are corrupt. Lord, send me this king. Send me this king that we're talking about here in Psalm 72, this king that would actually cares about the people who are addicted and afflicted and who, and who need somebody to speak up for them. Send me a king who's going to make right everything I've done wrong. Send me this king who's going to call good, good, and evil, evil. I need that king. Send us that king, Lord God. And that's what's really cool. i got to go back to, to a slide here. You might be thinking, well, wait, but if the king is perfectly just, and if the king is per perfectly righteousness, like if everybody gets what they deserve, which side of justice am I on? If God, if the king righteously judged every one of my thoughts, every one of my clicks, everything that's ever been in my heart, which side of justice would I be on? There's something really cool in here. When Solomon says, he says, endow the king with Whose justice? Your justice, O oh God. The royal son with your righteousness. He's, so Solomon's talking to God, and he says, wait, wait, God, give us a king who brings justice and righteousness down from heaven. He doesn't say, Lord, give us a king who gives everybody what they deserve. Don't give us a king that, that judges everybody according to their actions. He says, give us a king who brings a righteousness down from heaven and gives it away. Who says, I judge you now based on God's righteousness. I judge you now based on the righteous act of this king. Can you imagine a king who did everything right all the time? Can you imagine a king who made, who made every right decision? Can you imagine a king who kept every single promise? That's the kind of king we are in search of. Long live the king of justice and righteousness. Who could this king be, my friends? Verses 5 through 8. May he, in, 5 through 7, excuse me. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. So, how long, if you had the perfect king, how long would you want him to be king? 
Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get a good king, or excuse me, a good president this time. And maybe he'll be president for four years or eight years. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. Uh, king David, King Solomon, how long did they rule? They were probably two of the best kings in the history of the planet. But they only ruled for maybe 40 years. I think if we had the perfect king, we would never want him to leave. We would never want him to stop being king. May he endure as long as the sun. I googled it. How long will the sun last? Probably some AI thing gave me an answer. The sun will continue for another 8 to 10 billion years before it stops. Okay, I don't know. Somebody here who's, uh, who, who will, who's smarter than, than I am and went to D-Tech can tell me, well, actually, that's not exactly what... All right, you guys can, can uh, school me after, after church. But the point is this. What if it did keep going for 8 to 10 billion years? What if this earth did keep going for thousands of years more. Would this king that comes down from heaven, would he still be king? Oh yeah, may he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. And it's important to think about that. He's going to out, this king is going to outlast you. You ever worry about your kids, your grandkids? Like, what's going to happen when I'm gone? You ever worry about, well, what, you know, what if, what if this church weren't here, what would happen? Well, he'd still be king. What's going to happen? Well, we don't know exactly all the details of what's coming in the future. But we know, we know that he will endure as long as the sun. And, and it's kind of funny here, we're going we're to talk about mowing the lawn. So when we were up in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and there was like a foot of snow on the ground, I started talking about mowing the lawn, and people were like, huh, that's interesting. There's a lot of, we could talk about snow shoveling, but mowing the lawn, I don't, I don't know when you guys start mowing the lawn here in Atlanta. Like, what month do you start? All week? <laughs> All year long, all right. <laughs> so I've lived some places where it's really hard to grow grass. Like, you guys must get a lot of rain here. Yeah. Some places, they don't get rain. Like, when you live in, in the middle of Mexico, or we lived in Arizona. We worked with uh, Native American missions in, in uh, where the Apaches live in eastern Arizona. Of course, I was a foolish northerner, and, and I tried planting grass there. Ugh. I don't know how many times the, the grass died on me until I figured out a trick. You just you don't cut it. You just let it go, and you let it grow like crazy, and it looks all crazy, and, until you can see, oh, it's going to rain. It's going to rain like today, or you look in the forecast, like it's going to pour tomorrow. Well, then you cut it. Why? Because, like, when you cut grass, and it, you, you know that smell? They smell they, somebody told me that's like uh, aldehydes. It's like a chemical that the grass is releasing. It's almost like it's saying, help me, help me, I'm in trauma. You just cut me in half. I need, I need food. I need rain. Or I'm going to dry out and die. Have you ever felt like that spiritually? Like, I'm about to dry out and die. Was it something like a sin that you've been struggling with and, and, and it makes you like separate from the reign of God's word and you're drying out? Is it something that, that somebody else has been doing to you? You've been sinned against and that hurt and that pain is just living in your, your heart and because of that you're separating yourself from things that are good, from talking to Christian sisters and brothers separating from church, separating from the Bible. And now you feel dry, like that dry desert grass. And then it happens. Somehow, some way, God 
whether it's just like brings God's word back into your head or you come back to church or somebody from church called you and just said, hey, how are you doing? Somehow, some way, God brings you back to his gospel and it's like rain falling on your dry soul. And you just perk up again, just like that, that dry grass, all of a sudden it turns green in about a day. That is you and your soul. That's the kind of king we have. He doesn't leave you to die when you're dry. He brings you back alive with the waters of his love and his gospel. May he be like rain falling on your soul. May he rule from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. On the right-hand side, you probably can't see it very well. It's kind of small. It says the domain of Solomon. King Solomon had a big, huge kingdom. You know, if you, if you search the nation of Israel, like on Google Maps, you can do that. You know how big it is? It's, it's like one little sliver. You have to zoom way in just to be able to see it. Like, it's way smaller than Georgia. And here's Israel all over the world news for the last few months, right? The, the nation of Israel is nothing nowadays. But in the days of King Solomon, it was pretty big. It went all the way from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the what would be like Iraq and Iran today, to the, the Euphrates River. It was huge. But it was really small compared to this king's kingdom that comes from heaven. Because you know what? King Solomon's kingdom, it didn't last very long. It, I mean, you know why it's so small today? Um, the, the, the political nation of Israel is small today. Well, because it started with when Solomon died. You know what happened? His his son, King Rehoboam, came. And in about two minutes, in about two minutes, the kingdom was all divided. He messed it all up and didn't take long at all. We're not talking about political kingdoms here, are we? That's my point. We're not talking about nations you can search for on, on Google Maps. When you pray in a few minutes, your kingdom come, where is that? everywhere. It's within you. It's from the Pacific to the Atlantic. It's from the river we, we followed all the way down. Um, we, we started our journey uh, about three, about five days ago. We were up in, in Minnesota and we followed rivers down the Mississippi River and then there was the Missouri River. We followed imagine a kingdom that went all the way from Missouri River, Mississippi River, all the way down to the Amazon River to the Rio Grande at the Texas-Mexico border all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Brothers and sisters, we're not talking about a political kingdom. We're talking about a kingdom that's everywhere. A kingdom that, that you're a part of here in Intown. I don't think it's a secret anymore who this king is. I think you've had your epiphany by now. Remember epiphany uh, in your series of searching for the real Jesus. It's like a, a light shines in a dark place. It's like you, you, you uncover some, something that was kind of hidden or secret. Well, when these guys from the east came and they had gifts of gold and incense and myrrh, why is that such a big deal? 
Hey, you know what Latin American is a really big deal? January 6th, Tiffany Day? Like, they give more presents to the kids on, on, on the Dia de Reyes, they call it. They call it King's Day, but we, you know, we call it uh, Tiffany or, or the Day of the Magi, right? They give more presents to their kids on that day in some parts of Latin America than they do on Christmas. You know why? It's because on, on that day when those, when those magi, those wise men, brought gifts, they showed us who the real king is. They brought gifts to a toddler king. Who does that? These weren't like parents giving gifts to their kids. They brought him gifts to show the world, it's him, it's here, shine the light on him, everybody come, because it's Jesus. King Jesus is the king in your heart. I hope that King Jesus is the king in your home, and in your family, and in your church, and in your community, because King Jesus, he's spreading in Latin America. You know how? It's He's spreading in, in all these different countries, especially we focus on, the, the team I work on focuses on um, Spanish-speaking Latin America, those 20 countries I mentioned before. It's through these people. These, these people work for you. Did you know that? These 10 missionaries work for you. You call them. You support them. You pay them. Did you know that? Like, I don't know. Maybe you recognize my picture there, but... So, all right, you're part of a, a church, in-town Lutheran church, that's part of a thing, uh, an affiliation of churches called the Wells, um, Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. And those churches together have said, you know, there's some things that we can't do on our own, like each church, each congregation, but if we banded together, we could. Like things like having this, uh, a seminary school that trains pastors, like where your your pastor got trained to be a, a pastor. Like together, those I don't know what it is, you know, 800 churches said, oh, we can do that better together. Or hey, how can we do mission work in Latin America? Oh, we can do that better together. Like in town, you guys could just send a missionary if you wanted, right? That's that's fine. Or we could get together with the other churches and send 10. So when you guys give offerings to your church. Your church also supports the wells, and the wells together sends missionaries, like these 10 people. Um, it's, and it's cool. We've got Elise. We even have women missionaries. She leads the women. Um, women's part of our mission uh, mission work. We have we have guys that, that um, are from Latin America, like Luis from Venezuela, and uh, Lucio from Colombia, and Nixon from Ecuador. Um, it's, it's not just people from, from uh, the U.S. It's people who come from Latin America who are now reaching back to their own people. And, and how do we do this? You know that thing you got in your pocket? Hopefully you got it in silence, right? Everybody in Latin America has one or maybe three of these in, the, in their pockets or in their home. I got one, yeah, people have one for work, or one for their personal use, one for, uh, for work, and another one that they you know, give to their kids to, to, well, while they're on the commute to work or whatever. Everybody's got like three phones in Latin America. But we said, Man, there's no, there's no Lutheran churches in Latin America. Because what happened in Latin America was this. Most people, their base is, it's a superstitious Catholicism. It's just kind of a mix of Roman Catholicism with local superstitions, and that's what they grew up with. That's normal, okay? But some people, after a while, got tired of that and said, no, that's not what I've been looking for. And so they jumped to a kind of Christianity that's like radical and legalistic, like thou must give 10%, thou must fast every 
whatever, thou must, and all kinds of rules that you're saying, whoa, whoa, wait. That's not actually what Jesus taught. It's very legalistic. Like, if you better obey or you're not going to heaven. And there's nothing like what you have here in town. It's a treasure what you have. Like, just a normal Bible-reading, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. That's so awesome what you guys have. But imagine if you didn't have that, what would you do? Where would you be at? Where, like, literally, where would you be at right now if this church wasn't here? This is a treasure. And nobody, hardly anybody in Latin America has what you have here in, in, in town in Atlanta. So what do we want to do? We want to hand out a lot of flyers. Like, it would take a long time to literally hand out flyers. So we use phones. And as you can see on the Twittergrams and Facecats and all those things, that, I don't know, sorry, um, all those things I don't really understand or, or even know how to use on my phone, we can reach 7 million people every week. Imagine trying to hand out, like that's more than the whole Atlanta metro area. Imagine if every week we could hand out flyers to the entire Atlanta metro area. That's what we're doing in Latin America through different, um, yeah, different, and these numbers are old, sorry. I haven't updated the numbers. But what happens when somebody like is getting messages on their social media and saying, this is awesome, I think I want more. Well, then they get to work through some self-study classes on their phone, like a little video message from a, from a pastor, a professor, a missionary. Get to take a little quiz. It's kind of like, um, and, and then after that, they get to go to what's kind of like your Bible basics class. They do that through Zoom. You might be saying, well, why? Why do you do it through Zoom? Well, because we lo- I can sit in my office in Paraguay and log on with people from 12 different countries or 15 different countries all at the same time. Can you imagine that? What a powerful tool. I know everybody's like, after, the, after COVID, everybody's like, oh, online, stay away, <laughs> never go back. But it's a powerful tool, the technology that God has given us to spread the gospel, to spread the king's kingdom all over Latin America. And, and then when somebody says, this is awesome, I want to join your church. This is awesome. Um, where do you have a church? Oh, you don't have one where I live? I want to start one. That's when we, we get on a, a, an airplane, a bus, a car, whatever it is, and we go visit people. Visit people like Luis Bejos. Now, Luis lives about an hour north of Buenos Aires. Have you hear, heard of Buenos Aires? It's a huge city. It's probably two, at least twice the size of Atlanta. It, it's monstrous. They have two international airports, not just one in their city. Um, it's right on the eastern kind of on the Atlantic coast of Buenos Aires. It's got a big river comes up the uh, up the, the stream or it comes up from Buenos Aires to a place called Baradero. A, a small town where Luis lives. Now, Luis was a, a member of a church there for like 20 years, so not a new Christian. He said, you know, the first five or ten years were actually pretty good. But after that, um, his way of saying it was like, after that, the, the pastor, dejó de poner sobre la mesa la Biblia. Like, he stopped putting the Bible on the table. He stopped preaching God's word to us. And, and they got carried away with, like, all their ministry projects. And, oh, we're, they got into, like, politics. They started um, so much activity at their church that they forgot about the gospel. They forgot about the Bible. And he said, I couldn't take it anymore. My wife and I, we just finally had to say, we're gone. We, we can't do this. We can't go to a church where they don't just tell us about Jesus and what the Bible says. And so Luis started searching, like a lot of you probably did. How did you end up at in town? Were you searching? 
Luis was searching and he found us online. He found Academia Cristo. That's the name of our ministry if you want to want to look it up. Or if you have friends here in Atlanta who like almost exclusively speak Spanish. Like they don't hardly speak any English. Well, how can you share God's word with them? Just put them on to Academia Cristo. And, and so then we go with Luis and we, we bring him into the Lutheran family and Luis says, how do I start? And it starts like this. This is their first ever church meeting. Like, what if, what if we went back and, and found the first picture of in-town Lutheran Church, right? What was your first meeting like? Even before your first service. Just like people getting together to figure it out. This is what Luis is doing. He's planting a church. And, and it's really fun because we're doing it in a way that's organic. Like, it's, it's a, hey, we're going to help you figure it out, Luis, but we're going to use local resources. We're going to do it your way. God's way, but with, with whatever God blesses there, the, the work there in, in, in Baradero, Argentina. And so now six months later, they, they've, got a, they've got a group up and running. Um, they're ready to like confirm their, their first you know, group of church members. It, it's really fun, um, but it's kind of scary, and it, and it feels fragile, like, okay, is this going to go or not? And finally, you just have to say, your kingdom come, Lord. Send your king to these to people in places like Baradero, Argentina, to bless the work. Because Luis, he loves the king, just like you do. And now he says, what can I do? What gold and incense and myrrh can I bring to my king? What, what presents do you bring to your king? I mean, I'm sure you, sure you give, like, literally, you give money or offerings. Or, I'm sure you have a way to do that here in town. I heard nowadays they don't actually, like, pass a basket in churches. You, like, get on your phone and you program things in that? All right, that's... But it's not just about money, is it? Luis here, his presence to the king is his life. His whole family is invested in this. We are bringing a presence to the king by starting a church. Isn't that what you're doing here in Intel? You are, you are part of a, a church that is, is launched, and now you're working on a building project, and... And the day is going to come when you guys are like, well, um, yeah, we don't, but we need to do some mission work elsewhere in the Atlanta metro area. Maybe you guys are going to be a hub for planting churches someday. Um, have dreams, dream big for, for this king because he is the king, not just down in Latin America, not just in all of the U.S. He's the king of the entire Atlanta metro area. Bring presents. Bring gifts to the king, and most of all, bring yourselves to him. He's worth it. Long live this king in, in your hearts and in your church. And it's cool. Once they get going, once they've been up and running for a while, all of a sudden you get groups that are they're still meeting outside of houses. You might say, is this church? Well, they're preaching the gospel. They're baptizing. They even celebrate Lord's Supper. Is it a church? <laughs> Maybe they don't have a building. Maybe some people would, would look at Intel right now and say, well, you don't have a big church building yet. Are you a church? Of course you are. Because the king is king here amongst you. The king is, is bringing people together around the gospel. It, it is church. Um, this church is in Tenancingo, Mexico, which is basically human trafficking. It's a human trafficking corridor. When people come up from Central America to try and reach the U.S. border, they go through Tenancingo. And so when people are coming on the train through that town, lots of bad things happen. Um, it's a place you'd never figure 
that God would plant a Lutheran church. And, and look what a man named Juan Reyes, um, a guy who's very humble, a fisherman. He doesn't have a lot of education, um, but he just loves Jesus. And so his presence to the king is to, to start a church in, in Tenancingo, Mexico. And, and we need this. Atlanta needs this. Latin America needs this. Because there's so many people that are hurting and needy and crying out for help. And our king promises to deliver, to deliver them. Psalm 72, verses 12 to 14. He will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. How much is blood worth? A friend told me he, he goes and, and donates blood, but not at the Red Cross. Like, they can give platelets and they actually pay him for it. How much is blood worth? And in the U.S., we just, like, if, if you're bleeding out right now, you read to the emergency room, they just give you blood, right? Because they have blood banks. Well, in Paraguay, it's not like that. If, if you need blood, like you call up all your relatives and you say, hey, can you come donate blood now or, or I'm going to die? That's how it works. Um, blood is worth a lot if, if you're going to die. Spiritually, we were bleeding out because of our sin. And so you know what the king did? He said, I give my blood for you. Can you imagine a king that would come and, and, and donate blood for you. Precious in our sight is his blood. And so some, some Sundays here at this church, what do you do? Pastor stands up here and he gives you bread and he says, take and eat. This is, this is his body. And he gives you a, a little cup and he says, take and drink. This is his blood. It's the king's blood that saves you. It saved you when you were needy and afflicted. Jesus gave his blood for you because your blood is precious in his sight. That's the kind of king we have. Long live King Jesus who gave his blood for us. Long may he live, verse 15. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon, thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun, and then all nations will be blessed through him. And they will call him blessed. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, I'm here to tell you that Jesus' name is being praised and blessed in Latin America abundantly. Did you see that in those verses? There was a theme of abundance. Like everything's just growing like crazy. Do you always feel like that every Sunday? Like, oh, our church is just growing like crazy. Like some Sundays everything's full and every, some Sundays there's, there's maybe, you know, only, it's only half full and you feel like, oh. I'm here to tell you that the king blesses the work abundantly. It's not even just about numbers. It's about the peace that God gives you in your soul. It's about knowing that Jesus doesn't just forgive some of your sins. He forgives all of your sins. Jesus doesn't just heal all your hurts. He heals some of your hurts. He heals all of them in this life or in the next. That's the abundance the king gives you of his grace, of his love. He's not a halfway I love you king. He's all in on you. Abundance. 
You know what? I said it's not about the numbers, but it is kind of fun when God does bless the work with numbers. I could tell you about the 30 churches and groups that are, are planted in Latin America just in the last two years. I could tell you about, um, you might think, be thinking, well, mainline Christianity is kind of on the downhill. Did you know that? Or uh, this Wells group that, that, we're on, uh, that we're a part of, uh, it's actually going down a little bit instead of going up. It used to be a group where they would say, oh, 350,000 people, and now I, I saw a message that said, oh, 340,000 people. But you know what? Um, Wells Missions now reaches more than 300,000 more people with the gospel. Just uh, last week I saw a video that said, the Wells Mission Works just has a new contact in Vietnam in the last two years. They have 150,000 people that want to join your faith. How cool is that? Abundant blessings, abundant growth in the kingdom of God. What do we do with a, a king like this? We praise him. We praise him like Emilio does. Emilio started studying with us uh, a week, uh, excuse me, a year ago. And he's like, this is great. Because he, he was struggling, and he came to, to a church, and he said, oh, they don't teach me the Bible. I, I can't do this. Then he started studying with us in Academia Cristo, and Emilio um, said, hey, this is awesome. I've got to share it with my coworkers. I've got to tell them about Jesus. I've got to tell them what I'm studying at, at Academia Cristo. And so he started gathering about 10, 12 of them. Every single morning, they have Bible studies, Monday through Saturday. Can you guess what he does for a living, Emilio? Emilio's the, the guy right here on, on the bottom left. He's a street sweeper in Buenos Aires. He wakes up every morning, he sweeps the streets of Buenos Aires, and then they, at, at a tea time, they get together and they have Bible studies. He's baptized five of his friends already. Missionaries were just there on the ground to meet him um, two days ago in Buenos Aires, and Emilio says, I want to start a church. How do I do it? <laughs> what are we going to do with this King Jesus name? Bless his name all day long. Do you bless Jesus' name all day long? I know you do, because you are a missionary church. Being a missionary isn't about living in some foreign country. Being a missionary is praising Jesus' name to everyone you talk to. It's at work. It's in your life. Praising Jesus' name is also looking at your kids and saying, Jesus, these kids are going to be the next Sunday school teacher. Your grandkids are going to be the next Pastor Lucas's. And saying, Lord, take them too. I give them to you as gifts. May they praise your name long after I'm gone. What are we going to do with Jesus' name? It says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Viva Mexico! Long live the U.S. Long live King Jesus. Amen and amen. Now may the peace which goes beyond all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Through life everlasting. Amen.